grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Good morning. Aren't we privileged to be here today to worship the living God? God gives us this opportunity that we might know his grace, his love, his power. And so let us prepare to worship him worthily, lustily, and joyfully as we are called together to worship in the words from the fifth psalm. Give ear to our words, O Lord. Give heed to our sighing. O Lord, in the morning you hear our voice. In the morning we plead our case to you and watch. But we, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. We will bow down toward your holy temple in awe of you. Lead us, O Lord, in your righteousness and make your way straight before us. Let us worship God. The Spirit of Christ prays for you, with you, and in you. And so it is the Holy Spirit that guides us to come into a time of confession and a moment of assurance. Let's go to God together in confession. 
God of mercy, God of love, in humbleness of heart, we confess our sins. We forget to love and serve you and wander from your ways. We are careless of your world and put its life in danger. We talk of our concern for others, but fail to match our words with action. Lord, have mercy on us for the sake of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. Hear us, O God, as we pause for a moment in this deep, sacred silence and lift up the prayers of our hearts, our confession. Hear us, O God. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Creator, the Son, the Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, I declare to you in the name of this Holy Trinity, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. to greet one another, we'd like to remind you that our fifth grade and younger are excused to their Sunday school class. And now turn to each other with a good morning and God bless. It always does my heart good to see brothers and sisters getting along together with each other for at least the 60 seconds of the passing of the peace. That's a start. Let's build on that, okay? <laughs> 
So uh, a program note in a sense, uh, some of you may have noticed last week and then again today and for the next several weeks of our Lenten season that our responses to the prayer of confession and assurance of pardon as well as our response to the offering are taken from some of the classic old hymns of the Lenten season. We won't be doing the doxology or the Gloria Patri. We're doing those classic old hymns because they say such wonderful things to us. So that might throw you just a little bit when we stand up to sing and Susie starts a tune that you're not familiar with at that place. But you know those tunes. You know those songs. And if you don't, you're going to learn them. So that's what we're doing in our worship. On to some other business matters. Our youth, as you learned last week, are preparing to go on a trip to the Dominican Republic this summer so that they can see what God is doing there and participate in what God is doing there. And if you would like to participate in helping to send them, we'll be receiving a special offering starting today and then continuing over the next several weeks. So if you'd like to encourage that work of our youth ministry, we would uh, be very, very uh, thankful for your doing that. Next Sunday, following this service at about 11.45, we're going to have a new member class or seminar, if you will. This uh, gathering is designed for those of you who would like to learn more about the church, perhaps as you are making a decision about whether or not you'd like to join the church, or maybe you've already decided you want to join. Whatever the case may be, it's a chance uh, to be with our pastors and our leaders uh, to learn about the life of the church. If you are not yet registered for that, Uh, Please speak with Jan Cook following the service. We want to be sure that we have lunch ready for you. It might seem a bit further out, but Easter is not far away. And as part of our Easter celebration, on the Saturday before the weekend of Easter, we'll have our traditional egg extravaganza. It's a wonderful Easter celebration oriented towards the children in the church. We hunt eggs. We tell the Easter story. We have a great celebration. That's on Saturday morning, March 23rd. As always, I encourage all of the older members of the church to be there as well. I have discovered that I, one, I can actually compete in the, in the egg hunting. You know, there's three and four-year-olds, and I can run almost as fast as they can, and I finally get some eggs in the egg hunting. So you might consider coming as well. It's really a very, very special thing. A bit further out than that, but again, for your planning, um, on Saturday, April 6th, the Saturday after Easter, we'll be sending a mission team down to Tijuana, as we have for many, many years now, to help build a home there for a family. If you'd like to be part of that very, very special experience, let us know about that this week, and we'll get you on the list. And then, of course, uh, this is I know this is why you all have come to worship today. At the end of this service, we're going to have our annual meeting. Okay, if uh, how many of you are are Presbyterian and know what an annual meeting is? Okay, all right, there we go, there we go. Presbyterians are big on meetings. So that will be part of our worship. The meeting itself uh, promises to be quite brief, uh, but we encourage you to stick around for that. So that's some of what's happening today. But most importantly, what's happening today is that we are gathered here as the family of the church to worship God. And as part of our worship, we bring to God our tithes and our offerings, offering our whole selves to Him. So now as this next musical piece is being performed for us, the ushers will come and wait upon us as we present our tithes and offerings to the living God.
Please be seated. Friends, we come to a time where we have the privilege of going to God in prayer. And in that privilege, I would encourage you to be attentive, to be present, to be fully aware of being in God's presence. Let's go to God. Who are we, Lord, that we should demand the sun to rise and the darkness of the night to shatter into a burst of light? We don't own the night or the day. They're yours to divide as you see fit. And it is a testimony to your faithful, loving kindness that we are blessed with the holy rhythm of waking and sleeping and working and playing, of birth and death, with so much living in between. Who are we, Lord, that we should walk with freedom from the past and courage for today and hope for future? Because forgiveness and strength and faith spring from the well of your mercy, and we are humbled by the generosity of your giving. Who are we, Lord, that we should approach the hurting and the homeless, that we should seek to soothe the pains of the world? Because it is your consolation, your healing touch, your creative imagineering that resurrects and restores and renews. Who are we? O oh Lord, we are those whom you call friends, we are those for whom you died, and we are those for whom you prayed. We are those for whom you called to be your body in this world. And, oh, dear God, how we wish to be a body that is healthy, fit, and well-nourished to serve you. We pray today, O oh God, for all churches in every place that your message will be proclaimed, that hands and feet will be deployed, and that hearts and minds will be centered and anchored in you. We pray as your beloved community that we will be messengers of peace and reconciliation, that we will seek and find a way forward in feeding the hungry, providing shelter to the homeless, binding up the brokenhearted, comforting those who mourn, tending our, your creation, and speaking on behalf of our most vulnerable. Who are we, dear Savior? We are yours in life and in death. We belong to you. And so we lift up our hearts wide open to your message, O oh God, to our longings that would be laid bare before you. Even as we, as one voice, lift up the prayer your Son taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
A reading from the Gospel according to John. Jesus said, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus is praying. Jesus is praying in the last hours of his life on earth. Jesus is praying with the small group of disciples that he himself personally had called together at the start of his public ministry some three years earlier. Jesus is the only one among them who knew what was coming for him in the hours ahead. Jesus is praying. This particular section of the gospel according to John is often referred to as the high priestly prayer. Jesus is acting as a priest, as someone who stands between humanity and God and is the mediator, the conduit, the connection point between humanity and God. This prayer is part of what you and I are thinking about and pondering and studying in this season of Lent. Lent, of course, for most of the history of the Christian church has been a season of preparing to celebrate Easter, but of course you cannot 
truly understand Easter unless you understand everything that's come before. And so we dwell for a while with those stories, those conversations, those scenes and images of Jesus' life and the life of the disciples in those days leading up to the crucifixion and then the resurrection. It would be impossible for us to consider all of the scriptural material that exists about this time period unless we were to spend about three hours together in worship with two hours and 45 minutes of that being sermon. Was that a vote in favor of the two hours and 45 minutes? Okay. Uh, that motion fails. Sorry, Suhail. <laughs> at any rate, we are looking at particular portions of the gospel according to John, all of which occur within essentially the last half of the book of John. The first 12 chapters are about uh, Jesus' life and ministry and everything that goes on. And then with chapter 13, John begins to tell us about those last few days and hours, and he begins chapter 13 with this phrase, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The he is Jesus. Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them to the end. A week and a half ago on Ash Wednesday, as we began the season of Lent, I preached from that passage, and we noted that immediately following that comment from John, John tells us the story about how Jesus washed the disciples' feet. One way to look at the whole season of Lent and the celebration of Easter is to look at it as an expression of love, God's love for us expressed in Jesus Christ. Last Sunday, Jan preached about this love that is in Jesus, that is an expression of the love of the Father, and how Jesus' love for us reveals who God is. People always ask about God. Who is God? What's God all about? What does God want? And Christians point to Jesus and we say, that's the answer. That's the answer. Jesus glorifies God. Today we're going to look at another portion of this priestly prayer and note somewhat briefly four things about it. One of the things we note is that Jesus prays for the future church. Jesus says, on behalf of those who will believe in me, not those who already do. That was a fairly small number of people at that point in Jesus' ministry, the disciples and those around them. But Jesus prays on behalf of those who will believe in me, the future church. You see, Jesus knew and Jesus hoped 
that what he did on the earth would lead to the creation of a church, a creation of a family, a creation of a community that would be the continuation of that special group of people called to demonstrate God's love to the whole world. Jesus prayed for the future church. You happen to know some of the people for whom Jesus prayed. Do you know why you know them? Because you are them. Jesus prayed for us, those who will believe. And so we are those who are responding to Jesus' love. We are the result, you might say, of Jesus' prayer. We often ask ourselves, is prayer effective? Well, if Jesus' prayers weren't effective, whose prayers could be? <laughs> We are learning from Jesus' love. We are growing from Jesus' love. We are trying to live more and more every day within the love of God the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Jesus prayed for the future church. That's us. Jesus also prays for the unity of the church. Jesus says that they may all be one. Now, we know today, of course, that in many ways the church does not seem to be very unified, does it? Anybody care to guess how many different denominations there are in the world? Over 32,000 denominations exist in the world. Some of that is because most denominations are organized according to national boundaries. But within the United States alone, there are several thousand denominations. That, does that mean that we're fractured, that we are not unified? Well, in a sense, it does. We have to admit that, that Christians love to fight with each other. <laughs> and yet, and yet, can we not also say that Christians are unified with each other, if only in this one regard? that Christians are those who claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, I know that there are some Christians who don't think that that's enough, but we think that's enough here in this church. We don't ask you to become Presbyterian or to forsake your roots in whatever other denomination you grew up in. All we ask is that you be a Christian which is a person who believes in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm curious to know how many of you in this sanctuary right now or online have always been part of a Presbyterian church? How many of you here have always been Presbyterian? That's a minority of us, right? And it does make us special. We have to admit that. No, I <laughs> Right? I say that we're all recovering. We're recovering from being Presbyterian. We're recovering from being whatever we were. At the first service, there was a couple that walked out and said, we're visiting here for the very first time from Sacramento, and we're Catholic. I said, it's great to have you with us, right? We do not care in this congregation whether you have always been Presbyterian or whether you even want to be Presbyterian by joining this church, all we care about 
is the unity of the church, a unity that is born from our common faith and belief in Christ and even more importantly from his call to us to be family. Jesus prays for the future church. He prays for the unity of the church. Unity with God and unity with each other. Now, someday I'm going to write a book after 45 or 50 years of ministry about how it is that Christians love to fight with each other. <laughs> but it's going to be a much bigger book that talks about how it is that Christians come together. That's what interests me. That's what interests me. Some Christians get away from all the fighting in the church by simply leaving the church. They're happy to have a relationship with God. They're happy to say, I believe in Jesus. Jesus and I have a good thing. Don't mess it up with other people. But Jesus doesn't let us off the hook. Unity with Jesus, unity with God, unity in the power of the Holy Spirit means community with each other. It is not a negotiable thing. To be Christian and to follow Jesus is to do so with other folks who do the same thing. That's you and me. That's the good news. And I know sometimes it feels like bad news, but really it's not. Jesus also prays not just for our unity. He prays not just for the future church. He prays that the character and the will and the person of God the Father, which has been passed into him, would then be transmitted to the church. Now, this is a little bit complicated, but let's look at these two things that Jesus says in the prayer. He says, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. In a sense, and we can't press this idea too far because we believe that Jesus is part of the Trinitarian God, but it's in a sense it's God's glory is expressed now in the person of Jesus. When we look at Jesus, we see God. And Jesus doesn't just stop there. Jesus passes that on to us. Jesus passes that on to us. That means... That means that something of the character of God, the person of God, who God is and what God wants in the world doesn't stop with Jesus. It comes into us so that we can then share it with the rest of the world. Now, make no mistake, some of you are sitting there saying, oh, Jack is saying that I'm God. No. <laughs> You're not God. I'm not God. Only God is God. But God made us in his image to be like him, not to be him, but to be like him. And so how are we going to be like God? Well, we do that by being like Jesus, who loved, who gave, who served, who forgave, who created, who stood up for the truth. We can go on and on with what Jesus did and who Jesus was, but, but that's who we are then supposed to be. Jesus prayed that that would happen. Do you want to tell Jesus that he's wrong? That he asked for the wrong thing from God? I don't. 
In fact, that's rather exciting to me, and I hope it's exciting you, to you to say, you know what? I, I see something of who God is and what God is doing in the world. I see it in Jesus, and now Jesus wants me to be part of that too. And Jesus actually prays for that. This is the fourth part of this prayer that I want to lift up for us this morning, that Jesus prays that the work of the church and that the family of the church would grow and expand one day to incorporate the whole world. It's right there in Jesus' prayer. So that the world may believe. That's a rather audacious ambitious prayer, wouldn't you say? Jesus is about to be executed and 12 guys, one of whom is about to betray Jesus and then a whole bunch of other folks who scatter to the four winds after Jesus is executed, but then they come back together when they learn that Jesus is alive Jesus says, so that the whole world may believe. Not so that the whole world may one day say, Jesus is the Lord and Savior, but so that the whole world will say, Jesus is the Lord and Savior, and because I believe that, I am going to start acting like Jesus too. It's very clear in Scripture that belief is two things. Belief is what you say up here and believe in here and then do out there. If you say you believe something, you can prove it by what you do. If you don't do it, you don't believe it. So Jesus prays that we would believe and do. It's the same thing. And so let's ask ourselves a question. Is Jesus' prayer happening is he getting what he asked for or not? I want to ask that question specifically in relationship to the village church. Now, some of you may remember that in our traditional annual meeting of the congregation that we have every year, that yours truly stands here and gives a state of the church report. It's kind of like the president's state of the union. Think of yourselves as all the congressmen and all the senators gathered together to pick apart the president's message and say he didn't say it right or whatever, right? Once a year, we come together as a congregation and think about who we are. We think about how we've been doing. We look at things that we can celebrate, things that we can work on. So let's talk about who we are. Well, Jesus prayed for the church. We are a tiny little piece of the church for whom Jesus prayed. Now, nearly 2,000 years after the prayer, we're here saying, Jesus, you're the guy. We believe you. We trust you. We follow you. That's what he prayed for. That's what he got. We see ourselves as part of the worldwide church. Yeah, there's still problems. Some Christians don't think that we're Christians. But I hope that there are no Christians in this church who think that other people aren't Christians just because 
they're not Presbyterians or not part of the village church or whatever. Every person on the face of the planet who says Jesus is their Lord and Savior is a Christian. How are we doing with Jesus' prayer when he asked for the church to embody the love of God? Jesus said, God, you gave this to me, now I've given it to them. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Well, I can give you a short list of all the ways that this church is failing in that regard, but I can give you a much longer list of how this church lives up to Jesus' prayer to love other folks, to be a church family. Every day, every day, the leaders of this congregation think hard and work hard to make our belief something actual, something practical, something concrete in life. We do not believe in Sunday morning Christians. Now, if anybody listening to me is a Sunday morning, one hour a week Christian, that's great. You've started. <laughs> we believe that Christianity is lived out in the world 24-7, 365. And so we seek to live out the belief that we have all the time. That's who we are in the village church. We can give lots of examples of how sometimes we mess up, sometimes we forget, but we are focused in that way. We are expecting, as Jesus seemed to expect, we are expecting to have an impact in the world. Jesus said, Father, I want the whole world to believe. That's what Jesus asked for. And in believing to do. And so we are spread out all across the planet through our mission partners, through ourselves. When we travel around, we're spread all over the place trying to have an impact for Jesus in the world with humility, with humility, but also with confidence. And so let's get a little bit more granular, as they say. You know, I don't think I learned that word in seminary. Did they teach you that word in seminary, granular? You know what that is? Business people like to do this, right? When you're studying facts and figures and statistics about what's going on in the business, uh, some, sometimes the business guys will say, let's get really granular. That means you drill down deep into specifics into facts and figures and statistics. You don't just stay at a high level and say, hey, everything's great or everything's terrible. No, you look at the, at the data, so to speak. Let's look at some of the data. Let's get really granular. Let's talk about this congregation. Let's talk about our worship. One of the ways that people think about the health of a congregation, of a church family, one of the ways we think about that is by looking at our worship. Well, let me tell you that before the pandemic, we're measuring everything by the pandemic now, in the year of our Lord before the pandemic, <laughs> right? Before the pandemic, on a Sunday morning, we would have an average of about 500 people sitting here in worship, combining our two services together. That was before we were streaming online. Well, today, after the pandemic, our worship attendance is going back up and is getting closer to that number, but it's not there yet. 
Physically, in person, we have 300 or so, maybe 350 sometimes, but then we have another 50 or 100 folks that are worshiping online with us. We're not back up to that 500 yet, but we're growing. That sort of decline was seen in all churches across the country, and not as many are recovering at the same rate that we are, but we're thankful for that recovery. We want to see it continue. That recovery is being experienced in many of our other ministries and programs. One of the big things about our worship, especially at this hour, is all those folks who sit there sweating in robes through the service. And, and there's almost as many of you as there used to be. But you're growing again. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. There's more than just worship, of course, that goes on in the life of the church. Let's talk about our adult ministries, particularly our studies and our classes. This church, more than most churches, uh, has a lot of Bible studies and groups that meet during the week. Well, before the pandemic, we had about 200 people every week who were gathering together at a Sunday school class or a Monday evening class or a Wednesday morning class, all kinds of classes, about 200 folks. Today, we have about 200 folks that are still gathering. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's a wonderful thing. And just this year, I'm, I'm really giving you a report of 2023, but we're so excited by 2024. We've had about 75 folks showing up for the Kingdom Academy class after worship, and about 50 of those folks want to continue on. So that's going to be a quantum leap forward. Last year, we received 34 new members into the life of the church. It, it, would you be willing if any of you joined the church just last year? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, we've got some of you here. That's great. You're still coming. That's a great sign. <laughs> right? Lots of other things have been going on in the church. Our board of deacons has been reorganized and re-energized. They're doing all kinds of great stuff. Our youth program. Before the pandemic, we had almost no youth program. But today we have about 25 kids regularly involved in the youth ministry, plus their families. There's a confirmation class, there's retreats, there's service projects. Before the pandemic, we had about 20 or 25 children involved in our children's ministry on a Sunday morning. Now that number is 40 or 45. And so we're happy for that growth. We have about 100 kids in our preschool and all of their families. The preschool is doing well. Our missions, let's talk about our missions for a moment. Our church is very mission-oriented, we believe. We have 18 core missions, 18 different ministries that work all around the world with whom we are partners and with whom we are in continual communication. A lot of them show up here to talk to us about what they're doing, and then at our alternative Christmas market every year, most of them show up to talk about what they're doing. Last year... Combining our budgeted figures as well as our special offerings, we gave just short of half a million dollars to those missions. That number is about the same as it has been for the last several years. We have developed a new form of ministry here in the last several years that has to do with the media, the media. Bob, when I started in ministry, we did not televise our worship services every Sunday, the only way you could do that was to raise tens of millions of dollars and go to Hollywood. But today, 
Today, as we speak, this service is being broadcast via the internet to anybody who wants to be worshiping with us. Last year, we made a significant investment to upgrade our capabilities for online production. In a sense, this sanctuary has now become a television studio. Your image is being broadcast around the world, and there are millions and millions of people watching you, so stay awake. (laughs) Stay awake. As I speak, there are 50 to 100 people who are worshiping online, which also means that when you're not here on a Sunday morning, you have no excuse for not going to church. I love it. I love it. There's a lot that goes on in our congregation that you don't see. There's a lot that goes on to take care of our budget, our finances, our safety, our security, our facilities, our strategic planning, our hospitality. It's a ton of work to take care of you guys. (laughs) But we have a wonderful staff that does it so well. Let's talk about money for just a minute. The year before the pandemic, in fact, the year the pandemic started, we had just adopted a budget of two and three quarter million dollars for the life of the church. The budget that's been adopted for this year, Elder Donner will tell you in a few moments, is just under three million dollars. Now, that is great news that we have managed to keep the church moving forward in that way, but it's not all good news. Our pledged giving has decreased Our special giving has increased, and one of the ways that we have uh, continued to stay at that level financially is through legacy giving of this congregation. Folks who are not here anymore planned in their wills and their trusts to give to the village church, and that's one of the main reasons that we're doing so well. And so I would ask you, what are you planning to give so that the church can go on after you are not here anymore. As you know, everything is getting more and more expensive. It costs more money to do ministry. And so I encourage your generosity in that way. Let's talk about our membership. One of my uh, things that I've learned over the years is that most church members have no idea how many members there are in their congregation. They'll either say we're big or we're small. There we go. That's really precise. That's not granular enough. Before the pandemic, we had 1,100 members on the roll. We now have 900. We're thankful for those who are joining, and we would hope to see more and more join. But it's a matter of concern, not just in this congregation, but congregations all across America. As more and more people are falling away from faith in anything or anyone and falling away from Christianity. That's a sobering fact but one of which we must be aware. Now, let me stop with the facts and the figures and the statistics and say just a word from a little bit different perspective, the perspective of the person who's had to live with you for over 25 years now and still loves you. I believe that the morale, the spirit of this congregation is strong. In fact, in some ways, it's stronger than it's been in many years. Because we're all sitting here saying, oh, we got through the pandemic. We're still here. Let's keep going. That's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. Yes, there are challenges ahead of us. 
and a world that's growing less and less interested in faith. But it's not us who has to fight. It's not us who has to be strong. It's Jesus who's going to do that for us and with us. This church belongs to Jesus Christ, nobody else. And if we trust him, then we will remain strong. We will remain positive. We will remain forward-looking so that we can do the ministry that Jesus wants to do through us. I wish I had the time to call out all the people who deserve a special recognition for their dedication, their time, their commitment, their faithfulness in serving our church. We are served by magnificent elders and deacons, by wonderful teachers and others who volunteer and give their time in countless ways in order to make our church family what it is. We are served by wonderful staff members, directors of ministries like our worship ministries, our preschool, our youth, our children, our missions. I could go on and on and on. We're served by a magnificent towering figure of an interim associate pastor who's come among us to, to help us. It's just, it's, it's magnificent. The question still remains for us and always will. It won't go away. Jesus prayed for some specific things for us. The question is, are we living up to that? We are in so many ways. Can we do better? Absolutely. Will we do better? That's up to us. Jesus prayed, Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. There's the final test. Are we loving? Amen.
You may be seated. At this time and with this prayer, I call the annual meeting of the Congregation of the Village Community Presbyterian Church of Rancho Santa Fe Incorporated to order. That's our actual name, by the way. Did you know that? The Village, Church, the Village Community Presbyterian Church of Rancho Santa Fe Incorporated. That's why we say the Village Church. <laughs> Join me for a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you that you call us to be your family of faith and in this family to find encouragement and support and strength for our following your son. We thank you that you welcome us into ministry with you and that you give to us the responsibility of managing the work of this congregation. So be with us now as we do some of this work all for your glory and for the sake of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. In a moment, you will likely see flashed on the screen an agenda for this meeting, but it's very, very brief, and we've actually accomplished what usually is the longest part of this agenda, which is the State of the Church report. You just heard it. Isn't that great? We're already ahead. Yay! <laughs> so I'd like to ask the clerk of our session, one of the longest serving and most faithful servants that we have had or do have now, Laura Metzger, do we have a quorum present? Great news. See, we're already partway through the agenda. Elder Bob Donner is one of our two elders. Keep come, start coming forward, Don. Bob is one of our two elders uh, who serve on what we call the support commission of our session, which is involved with all the business affairs of the church, and Bob is here to give us a report. Thank you, Jack. Uh, and good morning, church. Um, on Tuesday, February 13th, the Village Church session met to review our 2023 year-end financial statement and approve the proposed 2024 budget. Uh, by the way, I promise not to get granular this morning. Thanks, Jack. Bless you. I've been um, granular enough. I promise not to enough. get granular because I've also promised that this will be a short treasurer's report. If you wish further information, there are hard copies available in the church office, and, you, and uh, please feel free to um, ask for those copies if you wish to review the slides that are on, um, on our uh, screen right now. Um, as reflected um, in the statement of financial position on the screen, after several years of pandemic disruption, the, rich, the Village Church remains, remains in remarkably good financial position. Looking at the numbers, if you can read them on the screen, the biggest um, delta, if you will, is, is in the first two lines under assets, uh, where we show actual 2022 cash and equivalents of over $10 million, and that um, shrunk to, to $4,700, excuse me, it, it shrunk uh, in 2023. The reason being those dollars, the bequest dollars that Jack is talking about, were placed into conservative but well-managed um, uh, financial instruments for us to manage our money more effectively so we can continue be doing the fine work of the village church. Li the liabilities remained essentially the same. Uh, our numbers then assets and liabilities remain significantly unchanged from 2022. Going to the next slide. 
our 2023 um, statement uh, of activities. I got to keep flipping back and forth, sorry. Um, our statement of activities for 2023 uh, reflects a positive increase in pledge income of $260,000 over 2022. Pastor Jack just mentioned that our pledge income has been uh, decreasing. It decreased substantially during um, the pandemic and we are finding, we're working our way back up again. But um, it did increase from 2022 through 2023 as our situation started to stabilize. The $5.2 million decrease in other income is, as I indicated, the one-time memorial bequest that was turned from cash into, an uh, into investments in 2023. Decreases in 2023 operating expenses are primarily due um, to staffing changes and unfilled positions in the church. To recap on the next slide, in 2023, church income fell short of budget by $340,000, but church expenses were $248,000 less than budget. So we managed a budget uh, on um, reduced income uh, for a total of $91,000 in unfavorable for the church itself. Uh, the preschool, on the other hand, um, income was for, off $41,000 while expenses were down by $60,000 for a total of $17,500 in favorable. So the net unfavorable in 2023 was $74,000 based upon the combined entities. Upon the close of our 2023 fiscal year, which frankly could not be closed until the, the end of the calendar year because of our giving patterning, um, the commission directors, pastors, elders, and our executive director worked diligently to create a budget for 2024. Again, we're once again thankful for the generosity of our congregation reflected in, again, increased pledge giving for 2024 over 2023 Again, our numbers have not met where we were prior to the pandemic, but we are moving in the right direction. This budget, almost $3 million, as, as Pastor Jack has indicated, um, includes full staffing for all, all programs and all pro, uh, in, within the church, uh, and uh, a change from the way things have been the last several years as staffing has been reduced or positions unfilled, I should say, uh, that gave us a that, that kept us from going too far in the, in the hole in 2022 and 2023. But we're looking at full staffing for 2024, full programming for all of the commissions of the church. Session approved this budget on February 13th. Um, and again, if you have questions about the budget, be happy to respond to those in, uh, elsewhere or give you a copy of the, the the slides that we're looking at this morning. Our generosity campaign uh, for 2024 uh, provided additional mo momentum uh, in our getting back to where we were pre-pandemic. 
Uh, we had a 15% increase in the number of pledges for 2024 over 2023, and we had 25% increase in the amount of pledges uh, from uh, the previous year. So that's a positive sign. Things are moving in the right direction. As our numbers are increasing in the pews and, and, and uh, in the um, uh, in online, um, so are our dollars. With just over 900 members, as, as uh, Pastor Jack indicated, and 569 church families, 31% of our church families have pledged for 2024. We'd love to see that number increase. That is the lifeblood of this church, as 66% of the donations from this church come from pledged giving. Now we come to the time in my brief presentation um, to, for the congregation to get a chance to vote. In the Presbyterian system, the session proposes and the congregation votes to approve the terms of call of our called pastor, uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, Jack Baca. Um, accordingly, Dr. Baca's terms of call as proposed um, for, by the session include the same components approved last year with a slight adjustment uh, in, in salary that, uh, that is being done throughout the system for the, for the entire staff. Therefore, on behalf of session, I bring the 2024 terms of call for congregational approval. I think we have a slide that has actual numbers on it. There we are. So, um, a couple of comments and then I will ask for your um, uh, response in this. Um, Jan Cook serves us in an interim capacity and that status is as uh, a contracted uh, person uh, that is accomplished through the session. And so we do not uh, vote on Jan's terms of call, but we do vote on my terms of call. Uh, as Bob mentioned, the entire staff is receiving, I think it's a 3% increase this year. These figures reflect that number as well. This stands on the floor now as an official motion. And so let me ask if there's anyone that needs, that wants to speak to that motion, ask questions, anything like that. All right. Well, I'm sorry? Okay, so it has been moved. Do I hear a second? To unanimously approve this motion. So we will vote. All in favor say aye. Aye. Any opposed, no. That motion carries, and that completes the business of the support commission Thank of the you. session. God bless you, my God son. You. Thank you all. And that actually completes the business that we have to accomplish today. Let me reiterate what Bob said. I realize this is a lot of information coming at you quickly and very small print on the screens. <laughs> so if you would like to know more, please speak with Bob, uh, with Christy Wilson, our other support elder, or with Mary Thibodeau, our executive administrator, and they'd be happy to share that information with you uh, and have further conversation about it. Well, that completes the business for which we have been called today, so we will be dismissed then in prayer. God, we thank you for your generosity and your faithfulness to us in giving us your son and giving us your spirit and calling us to be your church here in this place. May we be faithful. May we be loving. May we be found to be some of those who are living out the prayer that Jesus prayed so long ago. And may it be for your glory and for your sake. Amen. God bless you all.